Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, April 19th. Happy Travel Tuesday out there, everyone, and happy National Garlic Day. Uh, I do love me some garlic bread, uh, some garlic cheese toast, maybe some lots of garlic in my spaghetti later on. I'm excited for that. I am not excited for garlic breath, although no one ever is. Am I right? Uh, that's enough of that. But we've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking big travel news and eco travel trends. But first, the last call for the Luxury Travel Expo. All my travel advisors out there, be sure to sign up for the Luxury Travel Expo. It's a two-day virtual event taking place this week, April 20th through 21st. Both days, it will be April 20th at 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, as well as April 21st, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. It features insightful panel discussions, interviews, and live webinars, in addition to an awesome prizes, including a free stay in Las Vegas. You can register at virtualtravelevents.com. If you're listening to this after those days, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get a notification every time a new episode is dropped, and you won't miss those cool features like that. And I would love for you to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast out there. I would greatly appreciate it. You can also get in touch with me. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email handle. Hit me up. I love to hear from you guys out there. Joining me on the show later today is Jessica Blotter, CEO and co-founder of Kind Traveler. Jessica and I will dive deeper into embracing eco-travel and uh, the eco-travel trends right now out there that you're really going to want to pay attention to and listen. It's uh, some great insight from Jessica on that. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with the news that most of us have been waiting to hear. Uh, Some of us have been waiting to hear this a long, long time. Um, The mask mandate is no more. Myself, I thought this would end in March, but it got extended to April, and and actually last week it got extended into May, but a federal judge on Monday in Florida ruled against the federal mandate that requiring facial coverings on all forms of public transportation, including on airplanes and in airports. Uh, Following that judge's ruling, the TSA said that they would not enforce masks and in several airlines announced um, lots of great quote cards on Instagram I saw when I was scrolling through last night. Uh, they announced that their masks are optional. Uh, and it actually happened in the middle of a lot of several uh, flights out there. Pilots were announcing on the speakers uh, the mask, that the uh, masks are now optional, that the rule has been dropped. Uh, this was, not surprisingly, met with uh, mixed reviews on that. If you got some people really worried about that in the middle of the flight, other people clapping and rejoicing. So lots of uh, interesting videos and, and tweets out there and stuff. Um on that mix there. We got a piece up on Travel Pulse. You can check out some of the reviews on that in the situation as it happened in real time and in the moment. But, you know, this is a good thing in my eyes. I I hope that this really does mean a steep decline in passenger violence is on the horizon. And there were nearly 6,000 incidents reported to the FAA last year. 73% of them involved the issues of wearing a face mask. So you'd like to think that the incidents on planes and airports involving flight attendants and gate agents and pilots and a lot of other stuff too or is uh is going to go away you know that was such an issue over the last two years and really hope that now that this is gone it's going to go away and also now that this is gone it should lead to a huge boost in bookings as uh, noted from our travel advisor guest on last week's show nick pena was saying how he's got people told him as soon as this ends give him a call so i'm sure there are other advisors out there in the same boat maybe you're getting your calls and uh tweets or Facebook messages or whatever, and uh, Instagram DMs, all that good stuff out there from uh, potential new clients who are on board with traveling now that the mask mandate is gone. And there's still one holdback, though, as the um, requirement to get tested before you enter into the United States is still there. So that remains to be seen when that will be lifted. You know, as of recording time right now, this is Tuesday afternoon. Biden hasn't uh, filed any appeal. So it does appear that this will stick 
and then this is just going to be an optional thing now for you. But uh, who knows? You know, it's it's really unexpected with this administration at the time. I don't really know. I mean, I didn't think that it would get extended into April, definitely not into May. And then they announced that. And I was well a little more shocked on that than I guess I should have been knowing how things have been handled over the last two years. But hey, we're moving forward. The mask mandate is optional. I got a flight next week. I'm looking forward to not wearing a mask on that. But if there is someone wearing a mask, so be it. That's their thing. They can do that. And I've got no issue with that. And we should just let it be and just carry on. And so if you are out there and you're seeing other people wearing masks right now, even though it is not mandatory, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Just keep your mouth shut. Let's move forward and get this past us. So in other airline news, airfare prices are up big. I know I've said this a couple of times in last week's show, but we got some data here. 20% increase from pre-pandemic prices, excuse me, from last year, which was uh, from 2019 levels to what we saw in March of uh, 2022 here, 20% increase on that, which is crazy. So there's new data that's um, inflation is really impacting the U.S. travel industry. Data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that the travel industry is being hit harder in inflation uh, with hotel rooms and airfare being some of the biggest changes in prices over the last 12 months. So over the last 12 months, gas prices, 48% change, hotel rooms, 25% change, airfare, 23% change, and rental cars, 23% change as well. So inflation is taking a toll on seemingly everything these days, but it's likely to continue to impact the travel industry harder than most. Could it derail the industry's recovery efforts? Maybe slightly. Uh, I think it will hurt the air travel the most, honestly, in my opinion, is the price. uh, It's going to price out the average or casual traveler, if you will, out there. Some people are going to completely alter travel uh, plans for this summer. Um, to avoid such high prices on plane tickets. If you haven't bought your summer vacation tickets, if you're a one-time summer traveler, one week only or whatever, and that's what you do, and you haven't bought your plane tickets yet, you're in for a rude awakening when you try to go book something. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you, but you know, demand, the demand is out there. We know people still want to travel. We know that people are going to travel this summer. I think hotel rooms are going to recover on pace with what they're expecting, but the airline's recovery path could be a bit different because of these higher fuel charges here and ticket prices skyrocketing. So rounding out the airline news really quickly, though, I do have to bring up the viral plane video from last week. So um, just read you a headline here from the Daily Mail. Plane passengers take over flight to sing Christian songs. It doesn't sound as bad as that, I guess, but um, it was it's a little, you know, it's interesting here. There was some controversy over this, surprisingly. Uh, I didn't really think it would take off as much as it did when I first saw it. And then I saw it the next day in the news cycle. I was like, wow, okay. Some people were like really, really upset about this. Uh, people were really enthralled that a pastor would, he kind of just like took over the plane. He's playing guitar and they're singing Christian songs, worship songs. I have no issue with that. I'm a Christian myself, but is that the right place to do it? When you, uh, you can see this in this video, this one guy is just like rolling his eyes. He is not thrilled about this at all, but he keeps his mouth shut and just lets the guy play and sing and everything. But you know, and I did see one, uh, so, so social media commenters are out there quickly to say that they would not have held it together as well as that guy. You know, me personally, I probably just would have, you know, just sat there or whatever. And most people on plane, I mean, when you're confined in that space like that, you can't get up and leave. Whereas like, I know some people are t- um, trying to compare this and be like, oh yeah, that's happened to me when I was at Chick-fil-A and like they started singing worship songs or they started singing Christmas carols one time when I was at Chick-fil-A. And it's like, well, you can get up, if you don't like that, you can get up and leave a restaurant but on a plane, you're stuck there. So I don't think that's the right particular spot to do that on the plane. I think there are other ways if you're trying to, you know, spread the word and, and worship and, and do that. There's probably a different way, like on the actual plane, when you're 30,000 feet in the air, 
doing it like that and kind of uh, ruining the playing experience for some people out there, not the best way. So if you have different thoughts on that, let me know. Uh, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email to reach out. So moving over to destination news, the CDC has removed all countries and territories from its level four do not travel list. Uh, they had about 90 there. It's all part of the new travel advisory notice updates. The CDC is changing how it updates its travel health notices and the U.S. State Department is also changing how it updates it as well, and they're cutting back on the do not travel advisory. So I think this is good news. I do wonder if some will even care out there, how much, given how much disdain there is on the CDC publicly, how much they receive these days. Uh, the CDC is saying that level four now is reserved for special circumstances, and the State Department has said that they will no longer automatically correlate its advisory levels with the CDC. No matter what you think of the CDC or the U.S. State Department, their advisories still hold weight when it comes to how consumers feel about traveling to particular destinations out there. You know, there are risks in traveling. Uh, this is not something that was born from the pandemic. You know, travel advisories were here before that, and they will continue to remain in place once the coronavirus pandemic is long behind us. There's always a risk in everything you do. There's a risk going to the grocery store, which I will be doing in like an hour from now. Who knows what could happen on that? You know, knock on shit, knock on wood now that I said that, but you know, Anything can happen at any given moment. So with that and these advisories, I think it's good that they are readjusting things and hopefully, you know, trying to steer the public eye and and making sure that, you know, what the actual advisory is and what it's what it means and cutting back on these level fours is a good thing because, you know, there's that perception you see level four do not travel and it could be you know, a complete area. It could be, you know, for Mexico, level four, do not travel, but it could be focused on the areas of crime. And you're not really seeing that. You're not digging into that because you just see level four, do not travel. So you're bypassing on going, you know, to Los Cabos, which is safe, you know, this. So I, I'm glad. I think this is good news. I welcome the idea of these new updated travel health notice systems. What about you? Let me know. Drop me an email. Other destination news. We've got Jamaica. They've dropped COVID testing and mask mandates for international travelers. South Korea is dropping COVID-related restrictions. Australia is removing all testing requirements for travel entry. So great news on that front. Love to see that. I will continue to rejoice in the fact that places are dropping requirements. So hopefully we continue to see more in the coming weeks, and I will continue to tell them about it, and you'll continue to hear how excited I am about all of it. So I hope you feel the exact same way, right? So it's some interesting destination news, though, um, as we get away from, you know, the positive stuff. This is, uh, I guess, slightly negative. It's, it's a really interesting, uh, and from my eyes, uh, it's uh, Honolulu. They are going to require a minimum three-month stay for vacation rentals. So this was a big surprise, you know. Are uh, other destinations going to follow with their own type of requirements for vacation rental properties? Might this be a big blow to the Airbnb and VRBOs out of the world out there? I know a lot of travel advisors would rejoice in that very much so as they are adamantly against that. But, you know, there are some out there who who also book Airbnb, you know, for their clients or they book it themselves because that's what they find useful. But, you know, there are also, you know, vacation rental companies beyond those too, like those of distinctions, great companies. So time will tell on how, how this will really impact and will other destinations follow suit. But I wouldn't be surprised if more places do enforce some sort of stricter regulations or requirements, you know, in a lot of places out there, local residents loathe the fact that they have vacation rentals near them and their their suburban neighborhoods and things like that. So you always hear about the negative and the crazy partiers of places like that. So don't be surprised. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. It's another place in Hawaii. This is the next one to implement some sort of requirement like this. So time will tell on that remains to be seen for sure. Speaking of Hawaii though, that is a destination that could see a major increase in marijuana tourism. If it ends up legalization, legalizing recreational use, 
It is being uh, discussed in a lot of number of states out there. It's been mentioned before as something that some would like to see out there. Time will tell on that. Uh, we did have a, the House uh, did pass um, for federal regulation on that, but it's it probably not going to pass in the Senate to be you know fully legalized in, in the United States. It's still going to be a state-to-state thing for a while, in my opinion. But with the popular 420 cannabis holiday this week, there are several states around the U.S. that will see new visitors coming to the, their states to celebrate and purchase legal cannabis. So we took a look at the marijuana tourism industry in a recent feature story on TravelPulse.com. A study conducted by Kayak found that nearly 33% of American travelers 21 years of age and older are interested in visiting a cannabis dispensary while traveling and that about 25% of respondents ages 21 to 34 have already traveled to a destination because cannabis was legal as more and more states are going to be legalizing in the coming, uh, we have an election year coming up. So it's going to, it's going to happen folks. There are other places out there. Uh, the perception of cannabis in uh, use is changing around the country. More and more states are legalizing for recreational use and if even other countries around the world are becoming more open to it. You know, it started off as uh, cannabis tourism really started off as kind of a domestic tourism thing. You know, Colorado was the first to legalize and they saw a big boost. Um, they actually saw an increase in hotel rooms uh, being booked and everything after it was fully legalized for purchased sales in 2014. Saw an increase there. Washington State seen the same thing. So now it's becoming a global thing though, cannabis tourism. So Canada's legalized it. Germany is looking at legalizing it. So is Malta. Mexico has talked about it. You know, it's not legal in Jamaica, but it's also not difficult to acquire a medical card uh, for use while on vacation. You know, Germany's interesting because uh, some people in the cannabis industry think that uh, Germany could be the new hotspot for it if it does. I know their new um, rulers over there um, in government is trying to aim to push towards that. So, you know, it, it's a global thing. A lot of people have various takes on how they feel about cannabis tourism. I think there should be, you know, certainly rules in place and for and there are you know you're not really supposed to smoke it out in, in, in public but people people do it so maybe if that's an issue that should be you know strict stricter and strictly enforced in certain areas but it, it does result in more money it's a billion dollar industry it's going to continue to grow you know and i think the travel industry it would be wise to continue to embrace it and find ways you know make those uh, smoke friendly rooms you know beyond cigarette smoke and you will see an increase in bookings, most likely. There are new uh, tours, cannabis tours that are around. It's more than just touring a farm. You know, there's a lot of different aspects out there. So this is kind of, you know, the week that a lot of people talk about it because of the 420 holiday. But it is a year-long thing, and it will continue to uh, make its way into travel. So that's one aspect of green tourism, if you will. But the big focal point is uh, eco-travel and sustainability, which gets us to our interview segment of the show. So let's bring on today's guest, shall we? And now joining me on the show today is Jessica Blotter, CEO and co-founder of Kind Traveler. Welcome to the show, Jessica. How are you doing? Hey, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, CEOs are hard to grab, so I really appreciate it. Um, just tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and uh, Kind Traveler, though. Yeah, of course. Um, so Kind Traveler is the first socially conscious give and get hotel booking platform that empowers travelers to positively impact the communities that they visit. Um, the way that works is basically we offer uh, exclusive hotel rates and perks when the traveler gives a $10 minimum donation to a locally vetted charity that impacts the community that they're visiting. And then through that, 
100% of donations go to charity, which create a triple win between the hotel traveler and the charity. Um, and the other little piece to that is we provide a positive impact report with every booking. So you know the exact measurable impact of your donation in terms of how it is making a difference in the community that you're visiting. Um, so that's a little bit about Kind Traveler and for myself. Um, I also serve on the board of directors for the Center for Responsible Travel in D.C. Um, I started my career as an earth science teacher, and that's kind of where I found my heart for sustainability and spent a decade working with other startups until, you know, I decided to launch my own startup, which I'm thrilled to be representing today. Wonderful. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. It's really important stuff to eco travel and a lot more people are interested in this and sustainability and making the earth a better place uh, when we do travel and taking care of everything. It is important to be a responsible traveler uh, now more than ever, as we've seen. So uh, a new survey actually from Global Data found that 75% of respondents uh, believe sustainability labels, badges or certifications uh, should be mandatory for products and companies out there. Um, so we know that there's a larger interest and a growing interest in being a better traveler and being more sustainable, but how does one actually do it? How does one be a better, more responsible traveler to truly embrace eco-travel, both you know for the individual traveler, but also for the entire industry uh, uh, at large? Yeah, of course. Um, so when we look at responsible, sustainable travel, um, it's really just about thinking about how you may be able to eliminate or reduce the negative environment, environmental impacts of your travel and at the same time increase the positive impact of your travel experience. Um, and this can look uh, and it look, look like a variety of different things. And I'll just kind of speak to some of the things that this translates into. So, um, for example, when you are making your travel decisions, what I always say is to look through the lens of kindness that considers um, how your travel decisions and how your impacts might be affecting local communities, the environment, animal welfare, but also your own individual wellness. Um, so you also want to think about how your travel dollars are being optimized to be a force for good. So, for example, um, the type of hotel that you're booking, um, making sure that it is committed to sustainability, um, doing your part to do the research. Um, more than ever today, um, travelers want transparency. They want to know, um, you know, what the hotel is doing to embrace sustainability. Um, and in fact, you know, there's some excellent hotels that are using that as an engagement opportunity to get hotels involved with that uh, storytelling and actually engage guests while they're at the property. Um, you also want to look at um, the way that you travel, your transport. How are you getting to destination A to B? Um, so considering sustainable transport options, um, is a big one. Um, ultimately, um, we're looking at public transport, um, travel via electric vehicles um, as some of the top um, ways to travel sustainably. Um, but if indeed you do have to take a flight, um, what the sustainable travel community really believes is um, taking one, you know, one flight without any layovers, because that 
is going to have um, the most positive impact. Um, it's also best practice to think about maybe taking one long haul trip throughout the year instead of frequent long haul trips. Um, so looking at maybe uh, what regional destinations you might be able to visit and really think about how your, um, you know, how your, your, your carbon footprint is, is being um, utilized. You can always do some carbon offsetting as well. Um, choosing aviation providers that are committed to sustainable fuel is a big one. You know, we know JetBlue has a wonderful initiative out there. United recently flew their first, um, in history, the first flight that was using 100% sustainable aviation fuel. Um, so, so being conscious of how we spend our travel dollars, voting with our dollars, and optimizing that throughout the entire journey. Now, when you're on the ground, it's also looking at sustainable activity providers. Um, so we want to like choose consciously through that too. Who is actually supporting the local community? We want to um, also look at animal welfare standards. We don't want to support tourism operators that you know might be um, utilizing practices that are outdated as it you know relates to elephant riding, for example, is a big one, or dolphin riding um, types of activities. So um, always observing sort of you know the um, the motto uh, take only. Photographs leave only footprints. That's a great one. Also, just leave no trace in general. Um, reduce your plastic throughout the journey. Um, so what the industry can do is make those decisions easy for travelers. Support, if, if you know that travelers are looking for ways to reduce their carbon footprint and even their food print as it relates to food waste, which is another big one, um, how can we meet the needs of the travelers to make it easy for them to optimize these positive impacts and eliminate negative impacts? And so, you know, we're looking at the entire journey before you get on your plane, during the journey, and then after your stay when you get home. Um, but those are some those are some touch points, Eric. Obviously, this is a huge conversation, but those are those are some things to really think about. Definitely. Yeah, those are the, kind of the key uh, takeaways there. So I think that's great insight. Um, I love too the fact that, you know, you focus on before you leave during your leave and, and once you're there and actually experiencing things and making sure that you're you're spending your, your dollars wise and, and making sure that your dollars are going to important aspects. Um, and I do, you know, with the aviation fuel you mentioned, um, the Biden administration actually is renewing a push for sustainable aviation fuel tax. Um, they, they are looking to lower aviation emissions by 20%. Um, by the year 2030. So that's, you know, good efforts on there. I think a lot is going to be on the travel industry to kind of be the the strong push that we need because, you know, it's like you said, you got to make it easy for the consumer because that's a lot right. of people out there and then when they travel, they don't, don't really think too much about this, honestly, but they really should. So it's kind of on the industry to make things a little easier and better because we do have research that show that people are willing to pay more. Um, MMGY said six in 10 travelers are willing to pay more to companies that demonstrate more environmental stewardship. So millennials and Gen Z travelers are uh, the generations most concerned about the environmental impact, which I guess is not too surprising that the younger generation cares more, uh, right? Is Am I alone in that? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what all of the research points to. And um, there's a lot of reasons that, that back 
you know, sort of back that data up. But I also wanted to mention too, Eric, that we recently produced our first ever 2022 impact tourism report and 96% of the respondents noted that it was important to know how their dollars were being maximized for positive impact in communities and that that was a priority. It was important for them. Um, And you can download that report um, on our website at kindtraveler.com. But there's some other really interesting data that came out of that survey as well. And it was just released like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the, the, fantastic. Do share. Are there any specific destinations that really stand out or any specific hotels um, that when it comes to eco-friendly thoughts? Yeah, um, well, we can start here in the United States and then I can talk about a few standout places uh, internationally. But even just here, I'm I'm based in California. So um, up in Sonoma Wine Country, for example, um, their whole destination is committed to creating uh, the the world's first 100% sustainable wine region. I think they're about 99% there right now um, with their vineyard acreage um, that 99% that's been certified sustainable. Sustainable. Um, so supporting these farmers, these growers um, going up there, of course, um, we have um, a handful of hotels on Kind Traveler that you can book and give back to some really wonderful nonprofits that are in that region that are committed to community and environmental impact. Um, the activities that are in that region as well, like um, kayaking down the uh, Russian River, for example, um, there's some really just wonderful ways um, that you can connect to nature. Um, but the, the tourism board itself is very committed to um, sustainable tourism as their number one priority um, as they head into the future. Um, another destination here in, in the States that sticks out is um, Fort Myers, Florida. Um, so the whole region, including like Cenobel Island, um, but they recently did a survey that said 95% of residents have um, indicated that sustainability is an important part of their future. Um, so they've been working hard to enhance their sustainability initiatives. Um, we also launched um, a program with them that encourages travelers to support wildlife conservation through a nonprofit we're working with there called the uh, Crow Clinic, which stands for the Center for Re- uh, Wildlife Rehabilitation. Um, so um, there's some unique ways to get involved with, with that clinic while you're there as a traveler. Um, but these are just two destinations off the top that um, kind of really stand out for doing some really unique things here in the States. Um, there are others, of course, and we could talk all day about it. But yeah. when we look um you know, globally, um, I really love what um, uh, a destination like Scotland, for example, um, they created their own Scotland Green Tourism Certification, which is just helping to make it easy to communicate um, the most sustainable travel options as an entire country. Um, Costa Rica, they're, they're another standout. They've dedicated more than a quarter of uh, their land to protected parks and preserves. Um, You have uh, destinations like Switzerland, which was recently named one of the top five countries achieving the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, And then another one for me is Germany, which is a Green Globe certified um, destination. They have a lot of carbon neutral resources. Resorts, their trains run on 100% green electricity, 
And they are also, um, they have the largest percentage of veggies in Europe, which um, helps to advance plant-based eating choices, which is also a very carbon-friendly initiative to encourage um, plant-based dining. Um, so those are some some ones that stick out, but obviously there's a lot more and we could talk for a long time about this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There are some fantastic destinations and cities, more so than countries too, doing a lot of great things out there. And one aspect too, you know, I mentioned that, you know, people are willing to pay more. We did a story um, from a guest author from Sea Going Green that posted up um, de- focusing on destinations that are using uh, funding sustainability through tourist taxes. So places like New Zealand, Amsterdam, Thailand, um, Quintana Roo, which is where uh, mm. Cancun and Riviera Maya are, they're using these uh, tourist tax funds to help with the sustainability efforts, which I absolutely love. And the fact that we know that people are willing to pay more, then I think more places yeah. should do that and throw in a little tourist tax. You know, the, you spend, uh, I think the Quintana Roo one is maybe like 11 bucks. So it's like, a, you know, a couple of uh, coffee or whatever. You could, you know, love forego that. that instead of in, and pay towards helping a destination that you're traveling to um, increase their sustainability efforts. So I hope hope that more people, uh, more destinations, excuse me, will do that in the future. So we'll, time will tell on that one. Love and that. Um, yes. I do, one hotel that I love that stands out for me with the sustainability stuff is um, Hotel Eshkere Arte. I just recently stayed there last month and um, everything local, Mexican-made products, I, I absolutely love. They, they stand out very well there. So that's one of my top ones um, in the Cancun, the ever-popular Riviera Maya region. Um, but, you know, that, so we'd mentioned some hotels and destinations and everything, but one aspect of the travel industry that does get a lot of uh, talk, we'll say, when it comes to, um, you know, environmentally and their impact is cruising. So what are your thoughts on cruising when it comes to sustainability and eco-travel? Sure, sure. So um, in 2021, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the organization called Friends of the Earth or an environmental nonprofit, um, but they created a cruise ship report card, which compares the environmental footprint of 18 major cruise lines. Now, um, this, this information is available public. You know, you could just do a quick Google search. You'll get the report card. It's very easy. But they, they've analyzed everything from sewage treatment, air pollution, water quality, transparency of their initiatives on the environment and human rights, um, but also criminal offenses. And I was really shocked to learn that there was only one cruise ship that evaluated a score of a B minus and a one of a grade C. C, um, with the remaining scoring between a D plus to an F. Um, so it was very, uh, you know, eye opening to see um, based on this report. It's very clear that the major cruise lines. Now, there is a distinction when we talk about major cruise lines. We're talking ships that are carrying 3000 to 6000 and up passengers. Um, it's very clear that um, they are largely not considered sustainable um, and they have put the climate climate and public health at risk. Um, however, when we think about responsible cruising, I think there's a distinction. We think of small ships, we think of yachts, some river boats. Um, they typically hold between 30 and 100 passengers. Um, and there's a few out there that are really doing a wonderful job that have little 
impact um, on the environment. For example, Intrepid, they sell an adventure cruise um, that uh, where they carbon offset each departure. Um, they limit their environmental impact wherever possible. Um, there's also Viking river cruises. They have um, eco-conscious features like diesel, electric, hybrid engines, solar panel installations, and organic herb gardens on board. Um, and so I think that those are some really lovely examples to think about if we want to get on a boat and we want to travel in that way, think about um, some of those response, you know, look through the lens of responsible cruising perhaps. And also, you know, while the boat, it might be doing their part, we need to ask ourselves as travelers, you know, what can we do as our part as well? And things like recycling and not wasting food on board um, are really important things to consider, you know, also avoiding plastic throughout the journey, bringing, you know, your own, uh, reusable bags, for example, when you get off of the ship so that you're not, um, you know, buying, you know, be, you know, you're, you're being as, as conscious and sustainable as possible um, on and off the boat. Yeah, it's certainly a mindset that needs to be kind of switched in the consumer and their focal point when it comes to all, all things eco travel. I will say on the cruise industry side, um, they do have a ways to go, but they are putting in efforts. You know, I like to see that they, they're coming out with the um, the LNG powered cruise ship. So I uh, was on uh, Carnival Mardi Gras last year and they're, they're brand new one. It's powered by um, liquefied natural gas. That's what LNG stands for. So that, you know, they're making efforts to, to get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hurdy Gruten announced uh, last month that they're, they plan to launch the first zero emission ship by 2030. So it's, it's in their mindset. It's in their, it's in their thought processes right now, but I think it's going to take a while before we get to be reach a point where you're like, wow, cruising, you know, it's not, killing the environment as much as it used to be and everything. So time will tell on that for sure. But it does seem like, you know, some of the executives heads are in the right places as far as they, as far as they can be, I guess, at this point. But, you know, I have hope that uh, things will drastically improve on that front in the future. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge opportunity for improvement by all means. And, um, you know, it, it takes a long time, certainly, to um, to go on a sustainability journey. Um, but I think there's also, you know, other ways to think about cruising and, and ways that are super sustainable right now. And, um, and I think that that report card is just interesting to kind of check out. It was done in 2021. Um, but it is, um, you know, just about creating awareness and being conscious of our choices. And those are things that are definitely needed. So I appreciate you taking the time. Any uh, final advice or anything you want to plug on how people can get in touch with you or Kind Traveler, fire away. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Eric. Um, I mean, my final little tip is just to always look through the lens of kindness. I know I said that earlier, but I think it's just an easy way to think about making responsible, sustainable travel decisions. Think about communities, environment, animals, and your own personal well-being. Um, but you can get in touch with me over at kindtraveler.com. Um, if you want to shoot me an email, uh, you can do that at hello at kindtraveler.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. So um, I'd love to get in touch with anyone who might want to learn more about what we're up to or how I might be able to support any other initiatives that might be going on out there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jessica. I really appreciate taking the time again to join us. It was fantastic insight as always. So that pretty much wraps up what we've got going for the show today. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great week and uh, talk to you next week. 